Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hello, everybody. It's your dinosaur you can take for a walk, Bruiser Holden McNeely. And it's I, your level three Veda Seraphim. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Mega level, ultimate <laughs> armor cubed, fucking psycho, multi winged, pecs rippling, crotch throbbing, Pokemon knockoff, fucking <laughs> psycho creation. Oh, good lord. The fucking bunny turns into an angel, and the cat turns into an angel woman, and her combos are bazonkin. All right. Well, I just, are you a wizard this week, Jake? Yeah, I'm a wizard. Coke has its Pepsi, and Windows has its Macintosh, and Pokemon has Digimon, and Digimon is fucking crazy, and this week of research has broken my mind. It's been a bit of a Shin Megami Tensu uh, uh, <laughs> level uh, of... Tensei, I'm going to mispronounce stuff all day. This is horrible. I don't know what's wrong with my brain today. You have just the worst Japanese pronunciation. I am horrible at it. It's almost as if you weren't surrounded by nerds who would judge you for it. Oh, I know. I totally put myself in a terrible position. But anyways, you know what I meant. That episode was a lot more than we thought it was going to be as well. Uh, uh, And uh, here today, though, without further ado, we have a special guest. Jake, introduce our guest. Uh, You might recognize her from the Ballin' Out Super podcast and... uh, I, we needed some perspective of a, of a Digimon fan to at least guide us. So, Katie Rosalion, how you doing? I'm so good. It's so good to be in this sweaty hyperbolic time chamber with you all today. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, growing up in the 90s, and, uh, you know, Pokemon was the number one thing, but there was Digimon. And was it a Yankees-Mets situation? Like, do you feel you were unfairly judged for your love of Digimon, or was it all... Just all more the merrier. I was like a terrible nerd out the gate. So I was already like, it's a completely different thing. <laughs> you, It's apples and oranges, Steven. Okay. <laughs> For a little bit of context, I was a little, not like too old to be into Digimon, but like I was in a transitional like middle school phase where a lot of uh, kids. The worst years. Where like. Yeah, a lot of people were not into, like, what they consider, quote, quote, kid shit anymore, and I was really deep into it. So I wasn't really there to be judged by Pokemon fans so much as just shitty tweens. Anyone. Yeah, yeah, because I remember there was a, a it was kind of interesting. I mean, not talk too much about Pokemon in the Digimon episode, but there is that weird, interesting gap where you were, like, a total shithead for liking Pokemon, 
Uh, uh, so you had to stop. It was cool. And then you had to stop, and then you got to come back to it. Um, but it sounds like from even just talking to you that it, uh, Digimon is that thing that just keeps – it's like the mafia for yeah. you. You know, every time you try to get back away, it just pulls you back in. It's like as close as I've ever experienced to religion in the sense that, like, I know this is bullshit, but I just feel <laughs> obligated to keep coming back because it was very important to me as a child. I hear that. Which I makes that. sense because after diving into the Wikipedia – to all the various wikis dedicated to Digimon – Turns out there's entire religions contained in the canon of this franchise. Yep. Yeah, this was a lot bigger. Okay, so you're right, right? That me as an outsider looking in on this episode, because when Jake was like, let's do an episode on Digimon, I was like, I, okay, I've never really, all I know in my head is like, oh, Pokemon knockoff, right? Yeah. That's what you think. And then you dip even a single toe into the pond of Digimon <laughs> and you find a whole world of just. And sure, there's similarities, but there is also, it's its own thing. It's its own crazy, wild thing that doesn't really, it, it's like, it, it never has a true form. It's I, constantly shifting and changing. I feel like it's really similar to, like, Power Rangers, in which it's mm. something you vaguely saw as a kid, and you just wrote it off, and then you do an iota of research, and you're like, this is a whole genre of television that <laughs> never even made it over here, and we don't have any cultural touchstones for this, but I don't know, now I have a spandex fetish. Sorry, Mom! Uh, and, and actually, it's great that you brought up uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, because there are definitely some connections between <laughs> the two franchises. Thank you to Saban Entertainment, but we'll get to Saban, that. They're, Saban. They're Israeli weirdos. I'm going to do this all day. Wow. I don't Ryan know what Saban is wrong with me today. Levy. Someone uh, skipped out on their anime club meetings. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I do need a kid to just walk around behind me and correct me every time I reference anything anime or anything, apparently. And it's it's neat that you mentioned that you were into it as a tween when you should have been, uh, you know, you're supposed to throw away, like, cartoons and stuff. Because one of the things that made Digimon so uh, captivating for the core audience that stuck with it is it is dark. Mm -hmm. It is fucked up. Yep. It acknowledges, yeah. like, all sorts of... This is... Okay, this is the... Uh, this. I'm just gonna throw out a thesis statement right off the bat. Usually you gotta wait 40 minutes for a classic J.O. <laughs> thesis. But, uh... Pokemon is a franchise about a world where all of your childhood concerns are kind of done away with. It's a fantasy world where at age 10, uh -huh. you can just fucking leave home and go on fun adventures, and you don't have to worry about homework. You just get to hang out with your Pokemon. Uh, Digimon's about the singularity. <laughs> Digimon is a world where there's still divorce. There's still homework. There's um. still cram school. There's still uh, sibling rivalries. There's still death. There's still all the fucked up things that kids fear and Plus, kind of stresses them out. But, hey, don't worry, though. You got Agumon. <laughs> well, especially because there's also existential terror in Digimon. <laughs> it's like... It's like the Peter Parker Spider-Man syndrome where it's like you get to save the world and then you still get slammed in a locker and called a homophobic slur when you go back to high school, except on like a grand scale. Yeah, and Far From Home, they really soften Flash. <laughs> I was like, man, Flash, is, he didn't, yeah, he used to call people way worse than Dillweed. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we'll we'll jump into it. Wait, Jake, did you have a personal relationship with Digimon before we uh, begin? Uh, I was part of, I guess, the millions of kids that watched it on Fox back oh, okay. in the day. But I, you know, it all kind of blurred together. I didn't kind of keep up with it. And as a as a franchise, Pokemon held my attention much more because of the way that the uh, wow the games Traitor. no the games and the <laughs> anime 
work together in a very synergistic way. By mm. watching the anime, you learned like mechanics that would help you in the game. Whereas Digimon, the games and the toys and then the card, everything was so like discombobulated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the anime writers basically had free reign just to tell this sprawling fantasy sci-fi soap opera yeah. where like it didn't it didn't really relate to anything else like you except know except the terror in your heart of being <laughs> an alienated tween starving to death in a techno wasteland <laughs> file island was not that harsh <laughs> All right, so let, I guess I'll oh, yeah. give a, a quick synopsis of what this is, just in case people don't understand. We're really bad at, like, starting the show with, like, oh, by the way, this is what this thing is that we're going to talk about. Because sometimes it seems so obvious. Like, I think I did one for Super Mario World last week. And I'm like, why am I even doing this? But I will say that Digimon is a Japanese media franchise that has involved virtual pet toys, anime, manga, video games, films, and a trading card game. Uh, it is short for Digital Monsters. The monsters live in a digital world, parallel universe that originated from Earth's communication networks. Is that about a precise... Uh... Yes. <laughs> yes. But does it really explain what Digimon really is? I feel like it no. doesn't. <laughs> but I will say, uh, let's start from the beginning, right? Let's take it from uh, all the way back in 1996. Woo! The uh, Tamagotchi was released. Uh, it was created by Akihiro Yokoi. Uh, man, I'm going to probably brutalize all these. Uh, Aki Maita and Takeichi Hongo. Uh, it was a handheld digital well, pet the size of a keychain. I remember uh, I was Tamagotchi. I was hoping you were going to set up this, this amazing thing. What, what the uh, combination? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The, Fight. Yeah. the uh, in all uh, Digimon media, the creator, quote unquote, of Digimon is listed as a guy named... Akiyoshi Hongo. Uh, but yes. guess what? Akiyoshi Hongo doesn't fucking exist, pew, man. Pew, pew. I don't know why I'm making find the noise. connections. <laughs> Goes all the way to the top. It's some Twin Peaks shit. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, Very creepy. But uh, uh, Akiyoshi Hongo is just a portmanteau of uh, all the names that Holden just listed, including uh, the co-creator of the Tamagotchi uh, toy device, the manga artist who did the first comic version where we got ties like design with the goggles. And uh, Takeuchi Hongo, who is uh, the marketing director for Bandai Namco. So, can you describe? Because I remember I, this was such a bizarre, fun time in like fads. You <laughs> know what I mean? The Tamagotchi. I don't think I ever had one myself. Did you guys have one? I had a Tamagotchi, and I actually had a, an original Japanese Digimon. Oh hell yeah! Ooh. That's because, awesome. Because uh, so I grew up on Long Island. And oh, real quick, spoiler alert: Digimon is like the uh, 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 the what she's talking about is the equivalent to a Tamagotchi. Yeah, that it can battle. It was like a Tamagotchi. Uh, which was like a digital pet that you fed to keep alive and you cleaned up its poop and a little heart came out. <laughs> but it was like shaped like a brick and it had two little silver pieces on top and the idea is that you could punch it together with another Digimon virtual pet and they would beat the shit out of each other. Hell yeah. But here's the thing. <laughs> so the packaging was all in Japanese. The whole reason I had this is I grew up on Long Island around the corner from me was a Japanese convenience store. Oh, uh, the where, dream. Yeah. yeah, and like when I was a kid, that's just where I got snacks and stuff. And so uh, it's like Hanukkah, 1996. Everyone's like punching each other to get Tamagotchis. <laughs> And my pops just goes around the corner and sees us at the Japanese when he's just like going to buy beer or whatever. And he just buys it because he's like, yeah, she wants one of these stupid things. And, uh, yo, so he gives it to me on like the fifth night of Hanukkah. And he's like, here you go, a Tamagotchi. 
And I'm like, this is not a Tamagotchi, Scott. <laughs> um, and it's before I knew about Digimon at large, but then um, I still was, like, really into it. And I figured it out because, you know. And you had no one to fight. Yeah. I had no one to fight. I realized <laughs> it was a fighting one. And I, like, begged him to buy me a second one to gift my best friend Aww. so she could fight with That's me. That's rad. That's so cool, though, that you guys, like, had – because I did – when I – okay, so – Full confession, I didn't even know that that's where Digimon started, was with uh, essentially a Tamagotchi that they marketed. It was actually marketed more towards boys because it could fight um, and all well, that kind of stuff. It's I Tamagotchi. think we're in common. We're all adults here. We can agree that the male gender has no need to, to, to help raise or nourish or care for things. <laughs> <laughs> we just want things to grow big and watch well, them we'll die. nourish and care for them as long as they can become a war machine that serves our every need. Yeah, you know, right. for boys. On the battlefield. Uh, I mean, if we're really honest, I think you fellas needed an ass-wiping Tamagotchi very early on in the, the formative years. I had a Tamagotchi. Back to front. It beeped too much in class and they took it away. Uh, Put in the draw with the Game Boy. Uh, so the story of the Tamagotchi, by the way, is that they are a small alien species that deposited an egg on Earth to see what life was like, and the player must raise the egg into an adult creature. Depending on how the player raises the creature, it will develop or to become more or less needy, happier or sadder, etc. as an adult. And I do remember there was a bit of, like, parents freaking out, schools freaking out about these things, as everybody was, like, messing with them in class and stuff like that. I do kind of remember there was a little bit of an element of that. This was pre-Furby, right? Was yeah. Furby the next, like, version They're, of this? They kind of one followed the other. Right, right. I remember in my after-school program, like, that you send poor kids to after school because, like, no one's around to watch you. They had a big meeting where they called us all on the playground, and they're like, okay, kids, we know you're all upset that your Tamagotchis have passed on, but they are <laughs> not real. But let's have a really touchy-feely talk about death. <laughs> Uh, in the anime, we learned, uh, you know, Digimon don't die. They just return to the digital world and ah. get recompiled back into eggs. Amazing. Uh, but uh, so this is a key difference between uh, Pokemon and Digimon is that you catch Pokemon. The the level of randomness, the thrill that, that gambling dopamine high is, you know, wandering the tall grass and hoping you catch it or hoping you see the one you want and then hoping your Pokeball can, like, catch it. Whereas enslavement. Yeah. Digimon. I know, there's a lot of questions <laughs> still about, like, some weird grievances I still have. They're no, kept no, in it's, a ball. It's fine. It's uh, all the Japanese writers were sure to be like, by the way, they love it. Yeah. They yearn <laughs> they for They love being in the ball. They love Imagine a whole, a whole animal kingdom of subs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the... Digimon, uh, the the randomness, the kind of the thrill of the hunt for that is in how you raise it. And so as you uh, start with the egg, you get like the basic uh, Paramon, I think is like the the dumb, like basic one. Or no, that's not it. Whatever. Don't yell at me. Um, <laughs> and then as you raise it, you get different types and it's you have to figure out like how well fed and how well cleaned you have to like get your your virtual pet going. And so it's each Digimon is what you raised and, you know. If you get, you know, if you finally, it's time to evolve and you get the, like, shitty one you didn't want. There was one that was literally a big pile of poop. 
Yeah, uh, the Digimon uh, Tamagotchi follow Tamagotchi rules, which Mm -hmm. it's not about randomness and cruelty. It's about how attentive you are. And yeah, I I remember I got the shit one once, and <laughs> like, I was like kind of mad. Emoji, like a swirl. It's a literal yeah. poop with a heinous face, <laughs> and I was just like, oh no, the duty. But then I thought it was kind of sick because <laughs> uh, it was a poopy. <laughs> I like that if you left the light on and like let it left it to go to sleep, it would like fuck it up. You had to like <laughs> keep the light off if you were gonna put it to bed. Like little things like that, I think were kind of neat for the Digimon specifically. Mm-hmm. So, how do you make this thing that's based on nurturing, based on you know baby raising? How do you make it more cool for boys? Well, how do you? I was just gonna say the first Digimon were created by Japanese designer Kenji Watanabe. Let's talk about Kenji Watanabe. Let's talk about <laughs> it. He grew up wanting to be a, a mangaka or a, a manga artist and submitted art to some shonen magazines, some of which which was published before convincing his parents to let him go to art school where he studied illustration and did research on design companies. He said, I began to think since working in the industry is so tough, I'd prefer a job where I focus on finishing one illustration at a time. Illustration jobs weren't very common, but occasionally there would be job postings looking for character artists. At that moment, only Wiz, W-I-Z with the lowercase I, by the way, is the name is the company. Wiz was looking for male employees, so I went for the interview and got the position. Wiz had only been recently established then, so they were a small company of about four people strong. They didn't have anyone among their staff who could illustrate characters, which was why they were looking for someone who could. And Wiz Co. Limited designs and manufactures a wide variety of toys and hobby goods. And for 10 years leading up to Digimon, Watanabe just worked on all sorts of toys in all different areas of the toy production process. He said, Development and testing, package illustrations, instruction manual art, you name it. I've even been to a factory to observe the actual manufacturing processes and painted the products myself. I didn't feel like an actual illustrator then. Uh, More like a person who does illustration. But also all those other odd jobs, though. That's That's true of everyone in Wiz back then. So essentially, in other words, before getting involved in this like media franchise that is Digimon, he got to see every element of toy creation, uh-huh. toy, like just every like little thing, just because it was such a small company that he was involved on the packaging he's involved. So he, from the ground up, has an understanding of what it is to release a toy to market or a game to market in every facet. And I think that was a huge element of his success in designing the creatures for Digimon. What was key to Watanabe's illustration style and his design style is he under, you know, they were giving him explicit like instructions. Like we want seven to 12 year old boys. We want like, this is, we want them to buy our product. We don't just want them in some sort of way to like keep them in cages or anything like that. (laughs) That's a different franchise. Um, And so uh, his designs differed from like what uh, Ken Sugimori did on Pokemon, where each uh, Pokemon is very like, Easy to draw, very simple shapes for the most part, nothing too complicated. Kind of uh, timeless designs, really. Mm. Kenji's was 90s as fuck. That's he claims where, yeah, I was about to say, this is where Spawn comes in. From the <laughs> 90s American comic books that were making their way in Japan, and they were just as big a smash hit in Japan as they were in America. So Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, 
Rob Liefeld, all these extreme. He's specifically also Simon Bisley and Mike Mignola. Of course, Mignola did Hellboy. We did the Hellboy episode. And Bisley's known for his 90s characters like Lobo, the badass leather-clad anti-hero biker bounty hunter. Just look up Lobo, and yeah. you'll just totally get an idea you, of what it was like to be a kid in the 90s. What you got to do is look up Lobo, <laughs> and then, Holden, you have your computer in front of you. Look up Where Garurumon. Oh, right. You know, this explains so much because also it's not just like the heavy line work and stuff like that. Digimon on like Pokemon has quote unquote monsters that are just like straight up demon people. Like uh-huh. superheroes. Yeah. Legit yeah. superheroes. Yeah. Uh, that's the craziest thing about uh, the Digimon. I've said this eight times already. One of the crazy things about the Digimon <laughs> franchise is they start out like Sanrio characters. They turn into Pokemon, uh-huh. and then their final stage is inevitably just a badass 90s superhero. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> like, just I know a person. So many people that had weird sexual awakenings due to, like, final form Digimon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you get Weregururumon yet? Yes. Oh, yeah. Holden, dude. please describe to me the design of Weregururumon. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, you hear the word where. It is, it is like a weird version of a werewolf. It's essentially Lobo meets a werewolf. It is a leather-clad biker werewolf who doesn't take any shit, and he has spikes, but only on one of his knee pads, <laughs> mm-hmm. not on both. Can you well, describe... he's into fashion, and he wants to look good for the club. <laughs> Can you describe you more fashion brass... choices? He also has brass knucks, which is, like, pretty intense. <laughs> you know, for kids. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. If I were to run into this uh, digital monster on the street, he would fuck me up. <laughs> I would be so just immediate. If he was just like, hey, man, you're in my way. Yeah. I'd be like, I oh saw so I'll just beat me. Just destroy me. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Uh heavy you mentioned the line work, very uh 90s uh American influence, like very uh heavy like hatchwork and shading, mm-hmm. as opposed to like kind of zip tones or whatever that like manga artists use. And every monster has like weird muscles. Oh yeah. Like if so you wanted to see a dinosaur and- with abs. <laughs> Everyone has a like twelve pack or if you're a lady, boobies. <laughs> like very prominent. I, apparently Watanabe claims that he lucked out and that they were getting so close to the date the product was to go on sale that he was actually told to just draw as I see fit, which <laughs> really helped him out. It really does come down to the fact that they just had to get a product out there. So he got to go ham on some fucking 90s comic book uh, inspirations. He wanted the designs also in general, like we were just describing, to be more fe- fearsome and less cute so you wouldn't feel bad making them fight, which I totally understand because they wanted this to be a more aggressive type of product. Uh, Watanabe said, take dogs, for example. While they may be cute, once they open their mouths and show their teeth, they give off the vibe of a real beast for a brief moment. That was the kind of animalistic fearsomeness I thought would be great to add into the designs. That explains all the weird teeth. Yes. There's so (laughs) much teeth. (laughs) Like, everything has, like, a weird underbite and, like... Wow. So he was free to draw as he pleased for version one, but for two and three, he had to be a part of a big idea planning stage with the Wiz staff, as well as a man named Volcano Oda, <laughs> who is a former D1 Grand Prix announcer who went on to work for Bandai and Wiz and was involved in the creation of the Digimon franchise. 
Um, first of all, Volcano's a really good name. Watsonabe <laughs> said, Volcano Oda is able to draw and had produced many unorthodox ideas, so there were a lot of cases of me just putting and collating his ideas together. Um, yeah, but I was like, I feel like there's more to this guy, and I couldn't dig up much more on, on him. Volcano? On Volcano he Oda. He sounds like a, a DDT wrestler. It's crazy. Right, and the fact that he used to announce for Grand Prix and then got into Digimon after that, like, I need to know... The, that's like an A to Z move, and I need like the rest of the alphabet in between to like understand how the fuck that went down. But either way, um, he was apparently a, a very big part of the of the design process. Uh, and but Watanabe did the final drawings for everything. And by the way, I did bring up Megami Tensei earlier, even though I completely mispronounced it. Um, he did draw inspiration from that series as well, and its demon designs. And I totally see that having played. Um, four on DS and uh, the Persona games, uh, a couple of the Persona games. Like, there's definitely more of a demon element in terms of like from a Japanese perspective than Pokemon for sure. Oh yeah, no, like one of the core things that the Digimon, especially uh, the Ultimate and Mega levels drawn, is like Christian iconography. There's yes. like 800 different kinds of devils and demons and undead creatures. Yes. So Bandai. Big toy company has their cool new toy and they got to promote it. So what do you do? You make an anime. So they go to the one of the biggest animation studios in Japan, Toei, and they're like, hey, what can you do for us? And they're like, we'll make you a short movie and we'll get one of our best guys on it. A guy named Mamoru Hosoda. And it's called Come On Digimon. Wait, no, isn't that the uh, <laughs> Is no, that's, called, a, that's the manga. Oh, that's the manga. You're right. It was called. Was it just called Digimon Adventure? Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, for even the short was called that. Yes. It's it's very confusing when so you. So wait, visit did the they not? Wait, wait, wait. Did they do the anime before the manga? No, they they did a couple of versions of the manga while they're trying to develop how to storify these toys. Gotcha. Uh, come on, Digimon. Uh, it was a one shot manga published in the summer of '97. Uh, the main character stood as imp- inspiration for what would become the design for Taichi, uh, the hero of V Tamer One, which was the longest running Digimon manga and was printed in V Jump magazine. It ran from 1998 to 2003 for 58 chapters about a kid named Tai who entered the V-Pet tournament but is unable to compete because his V-Pet isn't recognized as a real Digimon, and then he later battles the winner of the tournament, ends in a tie. He then goes to the digital world, where whose leader, Lord Magna Angamon, <laughs> asks that he find the five tamer tags and defeat the evil daemon who threatens the digital world. I believe it's Magna Angamon. <laughs> I'm Angel-mon. sure I said that shit wrong. It's a, it's a combination of the words angel and monster, uh, but it's combined in the shittiest way possible. Yeah, all the English names are just like the most obvious things with mon at the end. I love it. It's like, he's a lion, Le- Leo, mon. Mon. <laughs> <laughs> so when it's time to make the anime, they, they just start on the short. Toei is just listed as, you know, signed on to do the short. Uh, Hosoda, who will get his own episode at a certain point. He's directed classic anime films like Summer Wars, uh, Boy and the Beast, Boy and His Beast or whatever. Uh, Girl Who Leapt Through Time, I think, is his too. Insane, uh, like almost legendary figure. Mm. Uh, and he starts submitting uh, his storyboards. And as soon as they see it, Bandai's like, fuck, this is a TV show. This is a TV show. We're making a TV show. And Hosoda is like, I just did the storyboards. I, what are you talking? You're like, make it so it's like the TV show. And he's like, what TV show? We didn't make a TV show yet. Like, So 
Bandai immediately works with Toei to get a TV show greenlit. I feel like we got to introduce this narrative here. It does seem like they are always making decisions ahead of the thing that they're already working on. Like, I've never seen such a rushed production process. It is, like, kind of a Western concept because you know how, like, all those Hasbro products are just like, eh, make a toy and then yeah. we'll figure it out from there. We'll, it's just like, do what, we'll, just, we'll just pull a whole franchise, media franchise out of our ass without even, like, the first thing succeeding. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? Well, it's it's Bandai, it's Toei Animation, it's, it's airing on Fuji TV. These are giant, massive corporations mm-hmm. that are, like, like, we have decided we're going to have a hit on our hands. But by the way, it is this rushed production process that is why we get the really cool fucked up dark storylines that we're about to approach. It was because, again, it was kind of like uh, how he was able to go ham on the design process for the characters themselves because they were literally just like, fuck it, this has to come out yesterday. So just whatever you want to draw, draw it. And that's why the, the designs are so fun and unique. Well, I think it's the same thing here where it's just like, I, I don't know, just make a se- make a season three. And they're like, okay, we're going to make it dark as fuck then because you, you have no other choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Working at Toei, besides uh, Hosoda, who is doing the uh, first uh, short, uh, they enlist a kind of a, a veteran character uh, designer named... Katsuyoshi Nakatsuru, who designs all of the quote-unquote digi-destined. Oh, shit. So everyone from Tai to TK to Matt to Mimi to Sora to Joe? Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe. Um, He's responsible. Someone <laughs> has to be. And for a while, I was like watching a lot of Digimon, and I was like, man, this I, I'm getting some like weird Dragon Ball vibes from this. Mm. Maybe it's just the fact that it's this high adventure like action show with like a lot of humor to it. Like I couldn't put my finger on it. And it turns out uh, Katsuyoshi Nakatsuru is like the guy at Toei who worked on character designs and translating Toriyama's work gotcha. to uh, anime. That's Interesting. So cool. uh, yeah, and he that. was like the head character designer on Dragon Ball GT. Like he was the. It's that's why he was the Dragon Ball guy. So just again, legendary talents working at this stuff, uh, working with uh, Watanabe's uh, Digimon designs, and uh, in a one-two punch in Japan, the uh, Digimon Adventure movie premieres on March seventh or March sixth, which is my birthday, and uh, the Digimon Adventure show premieres on March seventh. Oh, so they're wow. just like, get on board. Yeah. Boop, boop. And the whole time, uh, Hosoda has to, like, go back and, like, add shit. So, like, if you notice in the first Digimon movie that they will, I guess we'll talk about that process, how they brought it to America. Uh, sure. The other Digimon characters are just kind of, like, staring out of windows being like, yeah, because <laughs> they just had to add them after the fact. <laughs> So, wait, so did, I mean, is it this huge success immediately in Japan? I mean, are, are they just on board essentially immediately like the, the kids? Uh, I don't know about in Japan. I know in America it was a massive hit. Like at, a, at its peak, it got better ratings than Pokemon. Yes, it did. Um, yeah. I have that somewhere. But yeah, yeah, it did at one point uh, actually beat out Pokemon for like a minute. But still, it did It happen. was plot heavy. Like Pokemon, you could skip an episode and you'd probably be fine yeah. but like there was high drama I remember getting <laughs> a huge fight with my mom because she wanted me to go visit my grandma or something and I'm like I need to know what the next form's gonna be how are they gonna get that gear out of them and imagine explaining that to your grandma it's like impossible like oh. Like, you know, truly, my parents are not perfect people, but they they do get a blue ribbon for patience of just dealing with my mania around, like, I was going to say Dragon Ball, around uh, Digimon. It was like, you know, when you're like 
12, 13, the level of obsession you feel is so all-encompassing. I don't know if I will ever be that insane no, ever again. never. Never. I only listened to Green Day. Like, only. <laughs> like, there not, was, like, that time where you only listened to one band. Yeah. Not even, like, a little Weezer on the side? No, I, I mean, there was a point in time. Yes. It was I, maybe a few months, but it was literally the only thing. I just I only had their CDs. <laughs> and that's the other thing, too, was, like, a time, a point in time when, like, you had to be in your house with the show because the show was going to happen yeah, and, le- and maybe you it. could tape it on VHS if you had one of those VHS players that could like tape things ahead of time but then maybe the tape will fuck up you never know yeah. so like you had to be there which is definitely more difficult when it's like a much more serialized thing hey everybody it's me your worldly wizard Jake here to talk about this week's sponsor Raycon are you still living in the past tethered to your phone like an albatross around your neck Well, catch up with the rest of humanity and feel the freedom that comes with a great pair of true wireless earbuds. And hey, before you waste hundreds of dollars on some overpriced brand, you owe it to yourself to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. I did, and I loved the fact that I was getting great sound, easy portability, and I didn't look like all the other sheep with their overpriced white stems sticking out of their ears. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. And don't just believe me, these are the only wireless earbuds endorsed by both Melissa Etheridge and Cardi B. That's a hell of a twofer. They're obsessed with it, and you will be too. Raycon's E50 wireless earbuds have totally changed the game for me. They're comfortable, and it's easy to take them anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet. There's no dangling wires or weird necklace part or awkward stem sticking out. It fits perfectly in your ear. And of course, they not only look great, they sound great too. I got to try out the Raycon E50s, and they not only worked exactly as advertised, but the IP-rated sweat resistance was a boon for me, the wettest, saltiest man in podcasting. These things are summertime-proof. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at a price that you cannot beat. Go to buyraycon.com wizard to get 15% off your order. That's buyraycon.com wizard for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time. Buyraycon.com wizard. So apparently it was, there was only 13 episodes planned as a singular promotion for the Digimon World game planned for the PlayStation, but it ended up turning into uh, 54 episodes in Japan from 99 to 2000. Uh, Saban Entertainment licenses the series in North America in 99, producing an English-language version called Digimon Digital Monsters, which aired on Fox Kids Network. That's what we're talking about. And because it was Saban, here's where Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comes in. They used some of the same voice actors, uh, notably Barbara Goodson, who played Rita Repulsa, did several uncredited roles on the first three seasons uh. of the U.S. version of the anime. Not only that, but uh, the main theme song that we know of... Uh I'm sorry, uh, how does it go again? Oh, uh, change into digital (laughs) champions to save the digital world. world. (laughs) Uh, Was uh, written by uh, familiar names, Shooky Levy, Heim Saban's business partner, and uh, Paul Gordon, who was the uh, badass guy who uh, did the Power Rangers theme song. Very cool. Oh, God, there's, we could almost completely derail and talk about the state of children's Saturday morning TV at the time, but there was a gigantic 
gigantic feud going on between Fox and Kids WB. Not just like schoolyard rivalries over whether Animaniacs is better than X-Men or some shit. Like actual cutthroat corporate politics going on where uh, Haim Saban basically took over uh, the Fox Kids broadcasting block. Like that, you know, Power Rangers was such a success that they basically, he bought the rights and the reins over that entire programming block. And he immediately started shifting uh, Warner Brothers products out of the picture. They got mm. like uh, deprioritized compared to, you know, so Batman the Animated Series got a shittier time slot. Animaniacs got a shittier time slot so that Power Rangers and X-Men could get better time slots because those were uh, Saban properties. This caused Warner Brothers to flip their shit and be like, well, we got the WB network with Michigan J. Frog, the unstoppable media juggernaut. <laughs> We're going to do I love kids. that you know the frog's name. Everybody. Oh, hello, yeah. my baby. Hello, yeah, yeah, my honey. That, hello, yeah, yeah. my ragtime guy. <laughs> cultural touchstone, Michigan J. Frog. It's just funny, too, because he's a cultural touchstone of, like, the 40s. And they're like, children love this. Yes. <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah, singing an old ragtime song. Also, why is his name Michigan? Um, it's a riff on uh, vaudeville. Mm. Oh, a vaudeville performer's name. Oh, okay. Sorry, Alabama I also Slim. know about that bullshit. Gotcha. But uh, we'll have you back on our vaudeville yes, episode, on our weird ass vaudeville episode in the year twenty twenty five. Oh, I meant Looney Tunes, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so W, so Kids WB starts, and they get Pokemon, and Pokemon is a runaway juggernaut hit. And basically catapults them to the number one spot. Uh, Saban, fucking furious that he missed the ball on Pokemon because his whole deal is I find weird shit from Japan, bring it to America yeah. and make all the money, immediately jumps on Digimon. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we got our own. It's fucking Digimon. And I'm going to do what Haim Saban always does, which is uh, localize it in the weirdest way possible. Uh, just completely getting rid of almost everything that makes it uh, distinct in Japanese. Uh, he brings on uh, two guys, uh, Jeff Nimoy, who is, in fact, Leonard Nimoy's like second cousin once removed, and uh, <laughs> Bob Buckholtz, who are two comedy writers that kind of fell ass backwards into anime dubbing. And they com start completely rewriting whole segments of the show. <laughs> that explains. Oh, it explains so much. <laughs> uh, Jeff Nimoy is a fascinating character, like very schmoozy. He kind of he, he his speaking voice is literally Anthony Atom At Adam Adam Matuk. Whatever, the uh, good Trump impersonator. Oh, okay. Why can't I pronounce it? He's like a big UCB guy. Whatever. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, very, very quick, very detox like this. Um, uh, and he just completely makes it, you know, his goal is just to add a bunch of weird ass jokes and puns to everything. Uh, but whatever the weird juju that gets this show in front of American audiences, it hits like the fucking crack epidemic. <laughs> Katie. Please, as best as you can, describe what made this show so enthralling. Okay, so uh, I was weird in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I had this friend across the street who was also weird, and we were just, like, not being watched and being raised by our TVs. And, uh, you know, we both we played Nintendo in her basement all the time. We were, like, having real indoor kid hours. And one day, <laughs> I'm, like, talking about... You know, I just started sort of getting into anime via, like, finding VHS tapes randomly at Tag Sales. She's like, have you seen Digimon? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I think it's just a knockoff. And she's like, no, no, no. This is all about feelings. And I'm like, okay, let's go. You go to watch Digimon. First of all, it's about a group of kids who get sucked out of summer camp. 
supposedly, I think there's a translation issue on that out the gate. <laughs> I don't know where they actually are. <laughs> and they are zapped into the woods, and they are chosen. It's not random. They are chosen, and they have a special monster that is bonded to them for life. And I think for that was really compelling because when you're like an alienated nerd, you really want to feel special and like that your nerdiness has like a purpose to it mm-hmm. and your like suffering has reason. The you up- also want a friend who will accept you despite your terrible personality. <laughs> right. <laughs> then I think it's really dark off the bat because they're starving, they're lost. It's really compelling. You're like, how are they going to get out of this? And then I have always been like, you know, like I think some kids are just like born depressed and I think I was one of them. I was just like a sad, weird kid. And there's all these like weird existential overtones about like, what is the internet? And like, what is reality? Mm. And what, like, what is your reality? And I was like, yeah, what is real, man? And is there that was, before or after the army of slugs throw pink turds at their heroes? Listen, <laughs> it's like just, it, 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 the tone oscillates wildly. Yeah. And so now that you told me that about the translation, it makes so much sense because there's so much goofy shit and then all of a sudden it's like, and this is why humans are making choices and getting alienated further and further into the digital world. And you're like, oh, yeah, dog, look at me now. I'm on a Japanese website downloading fan art from someone across the world. I also think there was a lot of, like, I was in middle school, and I was uh, very stunted emotionally, but there was a lot of uh, what I would call boyfriend and girlfriends in this show. So many shipping opportunities. It's really compelling. <laughs> Wait, like uh, who, who who did you ship? So a really popular one was Joe and Mamimi, and I was like, that is the one true ship. The nerd uh-huh. and the beauty queen? Yes. In the cowboy hat? it's actually hinted at. And people are like, no, it's like Izzy and her. I'm like, no, it's Joe and her. Izzy just likes his computer. And then, of course, there's the Sora, Matt, and Ty triangle situation. <laughs> are you team Sora Ty or are you team Sora Matt? I feel like that's not going on because all I can, all I'm thinking about this whole time, by the way, is like connect like the difference between this and Pokemon. I don't remember much shipping going on. No, because the Pokemon world was completely sexless, except for Brock, who was just a walking punchline because every episode he'd be like, hey, I get boners sometimes. And I was like, God dumb Brock. <laughs> and 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 just the whole in general, uh, uh, just the world itself, it's a more positive world, right, um, uh, in Pokemon, like a more like yeah. happy place where, yeah, it's fun. They fight, but they like it. And they don't get actual hurt or whatever. And they even, I know even in this, um, in a later Oh, season, yeah, no, no. In Pokemon, it's like, yeah, it's just for fun. It's all regulated. Yeah. Whereas in Digimon, it's like, no, that puppet has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their lives are being threatened. They're all trauma bonded. And then you find out later, they were trauma, they like had an em- group emotional psychosis where they all blacked out this traumatic event where they first saw a Digimon together, like in the real world. That's what the first, they canonically incorporate the uh, so a movie uh, yeah. by saying that it's because they all witnessed that first poke. Uh, ooh, I almost said uh, that first Digimon fight. That that's what made them the Digi Destiny. Yeah, like mm. there's all sorts of just like clearly made up as they went along bullshit. But I ate that with a spoon. I was like, <laughs> they're starving to death. They gotta survive. They gotta scare these ghosts with positive thinking. <laughs> 
yeah, what are some key moments? What are some key like so, milestones that so you that remember? So that one I really remember. There's an episode where they all get they all get separated and they get scattered throughout the digital world. So they have weird pairings that normally don't happen. So Joe and Sora are trapped and they're surrounded by Bakuman who are ghosts and they're gonna kill them. <laughs> and they're like. Our, uh, you know, we're separated from, like, our Digimon can't evolve or something. I don't remember why the Digimon's attacks weren't working. <laughs> so Joe's like, I remember from the Shinto shrine that they told me that if you do chance, it will uh, have a powerful effect. So he takes Sora's stupid helmet off, which it's the first time they acknowledge she's wearing a fucking bike helmet for like a <laughs> hundred episodes. <laughs> And he starts knocking on it, and he starts chanting, Bakuman, lose your power. And then he's like, everybody, Bakuman. And everyone starts chanting, ba and then they're like, it's working. They're <laughs> losing their power because we just had to believe. And I was like, oh, shit. That was an exorcism. I'm like, this is the secret, dog. It's happening. What, what, what season is this, by the way? That's I, one. I okay. was like a hardcore one and two kid. Okay, because I know in three it got darker, right? Yeah, it got even darker. Be because then it's like Digimon, the property exists in real world but then it's like a whole other thing there's a lot of like uh psychosis like what is my true self like a right. big plot point in season two is some kid is living inside a digital world as a warlord because oh, he the, hates the himself. digimon emperor That's cool. uh oh god well season two the writing staff had a big um, yeah, shakeup. Season two seems to be the there were a lot of disputes, right? There was a lot of contention about where the show was going to go. Entire and, plot lines are like brought in by one writer, and then the other writer's like, "No, fuck that noise," and it just gets dropped. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken, the uh, evil uh, Digimon Emperor, uh, ends up having a twin brother. Yeah. They just do that, and then but still, the old characters from the first season are just kind of hanging around. Yeah, <laughs> having teen drama <laughs> and I was like that's why I was so excited when they introduced Tri because I'm like what's this teen drama about though like I love these <laughs> monsters but what's the teen there's also a lot of stuff like with the monsters bonding with the kids and like them getting older and the monsters helping them but then it's like this growing out childhood metaphor where they're like it's like Oh, geez, Matt, like you're in a band now and it's pretty cool, but you don't have any time for old Garurumon or whatever. It's like so fun. No, no, that's Gabumon. Gabumon, you're who's right. Who's wearing a pelt. I never realized that. Yeah, he's, you he can He looks take like a normal off. dinosaur. The rest of, I didn't know that. There's a traditional bathhouse episode and you find that out because he takes it off to get in the ah. bath. God. Damn it. Of course, it's <laughs> a traditional bathhouse episode, by the way. Uh, I remember uh, just randomly tuning in one day and seeing the episode where Patamon finally uh, digivolves into, into an Angemon. Which was such a mind blow because Patamon is this Pikachu looking motherfucker. He's the cutest They're, one. And like the lizard, Aguma, Hakuman, hi. Yeah, he has a real hi. ASMR vibe. I'm Hakuman. Uh, is a dinosaur, and he digivolves into a bigger dinosaur. Right. And Gabumon's like kind of a doggy thing, and he evolves into a bigger doggy thing. The seal this guy evolves into a bigger seal thing. And the Pikachu guy <laughs> evolves into a member of Christ's army. Yeah, <laughs> it's it ridiculous. And it's like a whole plot point. It's like he hasn't evolved yet, and his only attack is a bubble. <laughs> and he's like always walking around, and he's like, TK's like, uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll evolve into Pig Man. He's a big pig. And he's like, I am not a pig, TK. I am a digital monster. And yeah, and he's the weakest link. 
he's the youngest kid. You think it's good. And then he turns into a beautiful, buff, <laughs> sexual <laughs> angel. And he's like, he's huge. He's bigger than everyone. And then he like scoops up TK at certain points. You're like, this looks weird. He's just like, I love you, tiny boy. You are my master. So fucked. <laughs> Don't notice how many leather belts are constricting my tight bod. Yeah, it's like really intense. There's a, a similar thing when later Ty's sister uh, gets involved and she has God Oman, who's like a survivor of abuse. Oh, and yeah, they get into it with God Oman. Yeah, God Oman was like a slave in a castle. She was like trafficked at a young age. And like, she, haha, but really. But really, and she's just like a cat. And, uh,. But Gatoman is her ultimate form, which still blows my mind. Right. That's so dumb. Right. It's, it's a weird thing. And then she turns into also a sexy angel, and you're like, I hope they kiss. <laughs> when you're like a horny 13-year-old that's still figuring stuff out. I'm like, oh, yeah. when are these monsters going to kiss, though? <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Myotismon, who is the big bad towards the end of the, the first season? Um, I don't actually remember a ton about him. I don't remember a ton about the bad guys, if I had to be honest, because huh. I'm so like driven just by like the drama of it all by the relationship between the, the animals like... and the the carriers and the ones that the interpersonal relationships with each other the only bad ones i remember are ones that were kind of sexy like lady <laughs> devimon oh they had a total cat fight yeah it was crazy i had an old roommate uh, who's trans and she's like lady devimon made me trans i'm like that checks out <laughs> holding his desperately googling desperately googling yeah. uh the um, there's also like a lot of lynchian shit in it like they'll just leave you walking down the beach and there's a bunch of ringing telephone booths and no one's answering and like <laughs> or like there'll be just like a train that goes to nowhere or they'll just like find an abandoned restaurant but they're like don't eat the food uh, i'll turn you blue or some shit so it's uh, in between seasons one and two that uh, Saban is like, oh, Pokemon the movie came out. Mm. We got to get a movie, too. But the Digimon franchise never really had a full length theatrical theatrical movie. So they told Jeff Nimoy, like, hey, uh, we got these two uh, OAVs, I guess, whatever, yeah. um, like original animated things. The uh, pilot movie, Digimon Adventure, and another one called, like, Digimon the war game. Let's have a war game or something. Yeah. And uh, they just put them into one. Beautiful animation. Like truly breathtaking animation. Uh on the le- like it's basically a Miyazaki level of like quiet moments and like really good character acting. I think it's the same Strong. studio that did Paprika, actually. Oh. No, that's uh maybe it was Bones, but that was Satoshi Kon. Well, uh yeah, these were both uh Hosoda and uh it's gorgeous, but it's full of Nimoy jokes that are just like, like uh, Agumon's in the middle of a street and like he's about to get hit by a truck and the truck will go by and it's just like, uh, hey, you almost hit that thing. Like, I don't know. I was asleep. It's like, but you're driving, Waka Waka. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so much bad humor. And the uh, soundtrack. Yeah, I was about to ask about the digi rap. How's I... the digi rap? Uh, I'm sorry. Before we continue, <laughs> uh, Mary and the booth, uh, can you please play a little bit of the digi rap? <laughs> All right. Ready to go? I'm ready. Ready? Let's go. The digi pollution is up and running. Did you see? Did you hear? Did you know it was coming? A digi destiny starts today. Let me hear you say. Digital pep 
in the digital thing, get the digital dip, a digital boom. I owned the soundtrack. Nice. It had such bangers as Len on it doing Kids in America cover. Oh, you have it right here. I oh, have yeah. the list. Hey, Digimon, who could forget that? Hey, hey Digimon, Digimon, hey, Digimon. Digimon. Why is it so? Because we just did this. Oh, I forgot. Less than Jake was on here. Less than Jake has prominent. They have like a whole sequence. It's so crazy. The crazy thing is, I remember this so clearly because I was so psyched to see it in theater, and I I was still learning about anime, and I didn't realize, yeah, what it was is they sewed two different OVAs together. So like halfway through the movie, it's just like a different movie. And well, um, we I, I said, too, but it turns out halfway through production, as Nimoy was working on the first season, the second season and this movie, uh, Saban was like, hey, the second season's about to come out. Use this other OAV that uses characters from the second season. And Nimoy was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're already asking me. You want me to put a third movie in this one movie? And he had to. And it is. Like, do you remember that scene at the end of the Simpsons uh, Poochie episode where he's like, I have to go back yeah. to my home <laughs> planet? That level of editing is in this movie ah. where literally the characters will stop what they're doing, cut to a poorly photoshopped like job where a character from the third movie that they use is like, hey, this is Willis. He's going to be important later. He says he should watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! They have All Star in this. Yes. It's like, how can you have All Star after Shrek came out? Yeah, I know. All they have All Star and One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. A one-two punch. <laughs> this soundtrack is legendary. And the um, and the impression that I get from uh, my yes. my boss sounds the catchiest song about AIDS I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, and when you saw this in the theater, you got a free Digimon card oh. of the Infraredmon who is the uh, main villain of the first half of the movie from the original Digimon oh. Adventure uh, movie, and you could play it in the Digimon card game and kick everyone's ass because he was, like, invincible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about the Digimon card game yet. Should we wrap up this? This film sounds insane. It um, was gorgeous, though. They, I mean, Jake's right. The animation was crazy. <laughs> it's, it's... And it confirmed... Joe and Mamimi, because there's a scene where he leaves a note on her door, and that's uh. all you see of those characters. Uh, so <laughs> after the second season, which was kind of a clusterfuck, uh, the head writer was switched to a guy named Chiaki Konoka, who is actually a legendary writer in anime. He's worked on uh, Serial Experiments Lane. Oh, shit. Um, if you bring up his Wikipedia page, it's going to be fucking oops all bangers. Uh, Rasafan's another one that I saw that I used to love. But just tons of amazing stuff. And uh, for this one, they brought everything to the real world and kind of switched up a ton of stuff in the lore. They introduced the idea of um, the digital world being like not necessarily uh, arising organically, but that literally a former like government program like ARPANET, DARPANET, <laughs> like helped DARPA. birth the uh, dig birth Digimon. This is and season therefore. Th yeah, this is season three. Yeah. That also, uh, one of my favorite things they did for season three was they felt like having a rebirth cycle was uh, unfair to have these characters coming back to life in terms of teaching kids about death. So when you die, you die. Yeah. Uh, they decided to make that a definite thing because they wanted to have a realistic uh, interpretation of death for children, which I always appreciate stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, it got super darker. And that 
blows my mind that this guy is the same one who wrote Serial Experience Lane because Digimon was like a direct main line to that show for me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, besides just a bunch of like mechanical stuff, like they changed how evolution worked, they changed a bunch of stuff. They introduced Rika and her Pokemon mm. Renamon, which uh, led to several bisexual awakenings. Yes. He claimed to base the character on Trinity from the Matrix. <laughs> so, yes. uh, you know, this very like capable, strong, like violent uh, character. Uh, Renamon is just this androgynous uber furry that like birthed a so million furry So many fetish. furries out of that. <laughs> and like, you know what? Who can blame it? It's like a super fuckable like fox monster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, there's that Konica. I didn't manage to get into this, but he has extensive notes. He's like been very communicative with the fans and has said on multiple occasions uh, he was heavily inspired by Neon Genesis Evangelion, which had elevated the robot genre. Uh-huh. So he was trying to elevate the monster the, genre. The tiny monster that lives in your pocket genre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the I'm dinosaur gonna... you could take for a walk genre. <laughs> <laughs> While the, all this is happening, there's uh, games, there's cards, there's toys there's all this sort of stuff so you got the digimon world games there are four in the series they're released on playstation with the fourth installment on ps2 gamecube and xbox the player explores file island of course looking for the digimon which have become feral in order to take them train them and fight them it was essentially really just like playstation and non-nintendo competing with the pokemon games there was a huge ad campaign with a special trading card of course kind of like going to see it in the theater it wasn't Um, great but the, I played it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, I heard uh, a lot of people complain that uh, because it worked like Digimon, where you had to raise them from an egg, you'd be doing your damnedest, you'd be leveling up your guy, and then whoopsie doodle, you got the shit monster. And all you wanted was a fucking guru room. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it wasn't really tied to the story of the anime, I don't think. No. As, yeah. Not, and, and for yeah. me as a kid, I found it really discerning that these characters were existing outside the plot of the show. Um. Like, I had a weird cognizant dissonant. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep playing Dragon Quest Warrior Monsters then. <laughs> I'm going to play this other monster game that no one in America seems to give a shit about but me. Uh, there was also Digimon World Redigitized, which never came out out outside of japan that was released on psp and 3ds uh in 2012 um uh the character designs for that were done by uh suzuhito uh yasuda who did designs for shin megami tensei another uh, uh devil survivor specifically another uh shin megami connection um and then there's digimon world next order which did get a release internationally. Do you remember that one, the third-person open-world RPG with a real-time battle system? I uh, I have not played that one. I do have an interest in playing it, but I have to correct you. It's pronounced world. World. Wait, course. is there like an umlaut or there something? There multiple no, R's. No, I'm just, I'm oh. just insisting. World. <laughs> Warudo. World. I would just completely believe you. Digimon that. the Warudo. You've got the Digimon Story Series, uh, which kicked off with Digimon World DS known in Japan as Digimon Story. Very, more similar to Pokemon. Players can uh, connect online to trade and fight their Digimon on the DS. Uh, Then there's several fighting games. Uh, Digimon Battle Spirit and Digimon Rumble Arena both have a few releases under their respective names. Then there's the card battle games, uh, which got releases, and that's more connected to the uh, collectible card game. Also, Digimon Survive. Oh, Which that's coming out. Coming out. It's a survival Digimon game set to release worldwide oh. this year. Apparently, it's a survival RPG for all consoles and will feature uh, multiple endings. And should wrong choices be made, characters will be killed. I'm going to play the shit out of that. I love survival <laughs> horror and 
dumb bullshit. It looks like <laughs> a weird cross between one of those uh, like 999 escape games. Oh, cool. A I visual love those games. novel. Yeah, yeah. And oddly enough, Final Fantasy Tactics. There's like a weird Disgaea thing that's also happening. Bizarre. That that actually sounds interesting. Uh, you also forgot to mention. <laughs> Come uh, over to my house. I'll yeah. be playing it. Cyber Sleuth Adventure, which I've heard great things about. I just don't want to play a 300 hour JRPG about Digimon at this particular time in my uh, life. Well, but that's, that's coming out loss. for Switch real soon. Con- you know, winter's coming, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Take uh, your games now. Get them now. <laughs> and uh and uh, Digimon is still still kind of uh in the in the ether because uh Digimon Adventure Try had come out. Oh, what a what a love letter to my horrible heart that was. When I, so Digimon Try basically Picks up where the first season ends before the second season where teen drama is happening. <laughs> and all of them are just trying to go to high school and deal with their trauma <laughs> of like saving the world and starving to death and no one can relate to them. And then the Digimon show back up and oh my god, there's this like heart drenching one where uh Gabu uh what's Joe's monster's name? Gabumon? That's him, right? He's just like, Joe. Please don't reject me. And he's like, I can't Wait, I go back. Gomamon? Gomamon, you're right. He's like, he just keeps rejecting him. And like, he's like, I don't want to talk to you. I, don't I want- have to get to college. I don't want to remember that fucking life. It's so fucked up. But anyway, you guys should watch it. I cried a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got through the first, I got through like half of the first movie and had to move on to other things because there's so much to cover. Uh, we did not uh, cover any of the weird mechanics where like all the Digimon are in various types. Uh, this is oh here's a fun fact. Uh, there's about 890 or so uh, Pokemon as of uh, as of this moment. Um, somewhere between 800 to 900, I forget the exact number. Uh, do you know how many Digimon there are estimated to be? Yeah. Uh, 1300. Wow. 1300 estimated. They can only estimate because each Digimon has a million fucking forms and variants, uh, which is another crazy thing that only Digimon really does. Where you can get 900 different kinds of Agumons and Omnimons and Omega Mons. What differentiates them? It's not like a shiny thing, is it? Is it like No, just different uh just different configurations and different evolutions and different they had a whole series where it was about fusing them into hybrid Digimon. Of course, Digimon. that's of course the one. Yes. Uh the, in season 2 they introduced <laughs> armor digivolving. So the same Digimon can now ev- have uh, different armor. They also can fuse with each other. I may have came up with a fictional character in middle school who had a crest on her head who can aid Digimon in fusing. Okay, still waiting to hear back, Toei. I, I sent you my script. Just a child pushing Gabumon and Agumon together and be like, kiss, just kiss. Did you did you play the collectible card game? I did. Okay. Um, Because all my friends were like magic card players and stuff, and I'm like, finally, one for me, a oh. cool person. Was it good? No. How does it compare? Yeah, like, it's can you compare gra- it? I mean, I don't remember a ton about it. It wasn't great. It's like your pretty standard card game, yeah. you know, where you have, like, abilities and, like, certain things. You can evolve them, though, which is kind of cool. You can evolve yeah, you would level like items, like, cards, item cards. Yeah, you would combine cards, kind of like how you would like tap land or something, and yep. your monster would evolve. And it, it was fun, but like I, uh, I think I was just more into hoarding shit. So I just think I mostly just owned the cards. Uh-huh. But I definitely played it a little bit. Right, right, right. But right. just with that one girl across the street, she was the only one who would play with me. Uh, yeah, that and it was first introduced in Japan in 1997, and it was based on the uh, third series Digimon Tamers when that started to really hit. But uh, yeah, it seemed like you know. Seem like a card game. For it's sure. fine. 
There's probably better ones. <laughs> what else didn't we cover, Jake? Uh, a bunch of later anime series, because every few years they kept trying to bring it back. Yeah. There's, uh, there's like, a million. There's I can't like even... seven of them. Or yeah. yeah. I, I started covering the video games, and I was like, oh, it only looks like a few. And I was like, oh, no, that's just this type of video game. There's actually a giant list I'm staring at that is like seemingly never ending uh, in different games. Demand more KRL on this show. <laughs> Five-part Digimon series. We want it. I will We're die. I will die. <laughs> And the, I will never be reborn. I um, do love this segment, though. What else didn't we cover, Jake? Uh, there's that. <laughs> there's a newer series where, like, the Digimon are now apps called Appmon because sure. it's the smartphone era. Got to yeah. get the kids. Well, it is fun that it's so technologically uh, based. Mm-hmm. That's a much more interesting concept to me. There being a digital world, I know I brought up like the singularity thing, but in a way, it's kind of true. Having the idea that there's like a digital consciousness or a digital. Uh, reality and a, and a real world is, is very fascinating stuff to play with and I'm glad that they actually explored themes that made that interesting and not just let that be what it is for a kid's cartoon. I can believe that there's like life that exists from the miasma of our digital refuse and that consciousness is a liquid thing that can emerge in ways we could never foresee. What gets me is why are they sexy bug men? <laughs> uh, DeviantArt.com dog. <laughs> you get one snap it of consciousness into DeviantArt and we got nothing but like six titty green foxes out here <laughs> demanding <laughs> rights. Uh, Katie, if someone came up to you and was like, why is Digimon better than Pokemon? What would you answer them with? There is actual stakes in Digimon and there mm. is emotional value in Digimon. Pokemon is just capitalism. You're just... <laughs> col- <laughs> You're just collecting and slave owning and fighting your friends. Slave with- owning is capitalism, man. <laughs> snip, snip. The puppet strings are loose. You're friends with a cop. Like I just <laughs> no, no, no. You have to like Ash. <laughs> Digimon has depth, existential terror, friendship, love. And makes you question your life. There you go. It almost seems to be, I, I would say, middle school me, way more applicable than uh, the, the description of Pokemon just now. I feel like I really missed out, and I'm feeling a little bad about it. I'm like, damn, I actually should have been. I was over here with my with my red trading you know, with the blue, you know, my buddy who had basic, blue. Basic. Yeah, that's basic. <laughs> Not even a yellow. You guys just talk to Pikachu, try and figure out what he's feeling in that one. Yeah, yeah. It's for a while I was always like a little just spending time on the internet. You get a little wary of the Digimon fans. They've made themselves very known, <laughs> um, and uh, I've learned to appreciate what this franchise has brought. And seeing all the ways that like the entirety of the 1990s collapsed into this one yeah, idea. I love seeing the word spawn <laughs> in my research for Digimon. I had oh. no clue that there was a connection there and it just makes me so happy. Whenever I see the words Todd McFarlane yeah. and I'm re- researching something like a crazy weird franchise that came out of Japan, I just get so excited. Those lightfold trendles go deep, man. Yeah. I like. It's just cool. It's like, I wish I had known more about Digimon back in the day because I was just passed it off as like a knockoff thing when really it was like I, I was reading Spawn comics. I was like really into edge lordy <laughs> 90s shit. I would have been all about it if I just had that one friend that was like, dude, you're not even looking at the real shit. 
Digimon's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? To like lay it out for me, it was like all at the same time. It was like Digimon and then like Joe and Vasquez comics. Yeah. Like convalesce Ooh, yeah. all at the same. So like I was like hot topicking while also exiting my childhood. It was all hitting hard at once. The Hell Frappuccino yeah. had just come out. It was crazy times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything else we didn't cover, Jake Jeez. and Katie? Everything, everything. everything. It's it's all of it. This is just why are we been wasting our time uh, right now? Oh, when there's so much uh, we could uh, be covering. Uh, it's it's a uh, Koji Wada did the original theme song in the for the Japanese show, oh, yeah. and it is uh, the song is called Butterfly, and it is a wonderful anime op. It yeah, is so a good. truly fantastic. Uh, Mary, can you just uh, just give us a few bars of uh, Butterfly by Koji Wada? That's a good song. I remember making up my own lyrics to it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, maybe the, after uh, Dragon Ball Super drops, you, you can uh, get the, the rest of the team to do a Digimon podcast. Uh, I think we're going to probably get roped into some Gundam stuff. We'll see. Ah, interesting. Yeah, well, should, should we? are we there yet? Should I, we plug the podcast? I think we should plug. Are we? Do you th- is there anything else you want to say? Any final words about Digimon before we uh, close out the show? You know, aren't we all changing into digital monsters? <laughs> is there, how about this? Is there anything like if if someone did what if someone's curiosity was piqued by this episode? Where should they start? Where should they go? Should it's they... kind of hard to find the original series, but I would. I think say... it's on Crunch. Am I crazy? Is yeah. it not it, on Crunch? Try is on Crunch. Because of the way that the rights jump between Saban and Disney and then back again, it keeps floating around. Uh, Try is on Crunchyroll. The movie versions are on like Amazon. Uh, the I don't know where the original animated series. Yeah, is. it used to be on Netflix for like two seconds, okay. and then it disappeared. But I would say try and just watch season one. It's definitely a children's show. Like I'm not gonna be, you know, that hasn't stopped a lot of people. Yeah, so like you know, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure there's a list online that will tell you like key episodes if gotcha. you want to like fat like Sailor Moon it a little bit. Yeah. But like, um, you know, if you're having a winner or you uh you smoke too much dope, just. <laughs> Sit down and be mildly terrorized. <laughs> Hell yeah. I feel like if you truly want just a shotgun blast to the face of late 90s essentialism, uh, watch the weird Frankenstein dubbed movie. Yeah. That is, if, if there's just a way to just immediately get Digimon as as we've explored Especially it. if you're like one of these kids that are just like super aesthetic raver types anyway, like just looking cool at the Ghetto Goth dance party. Like you're just going to want that to put on your t-shirt anyway because it's got <laughs> some looks in there. Hell yeah. Um, well, all right. Well, Katie, tell us about your podcast. Uh, uh, give us the plug. Give us the elevator pitch. Okay. Time for plugs. <laughs> you can listen to my anime podcast. It's about anime and leftism and sometimes in my feelings. It's called Ballin' Out Super. Ballin' Out Super, which is a fantastic name, by the way. Yeah. Is there a, where can we find you? Just you look up Ballin' Out Super. You can look it up. We're on iTunes. Yeah, it's all the things. Uh, all the things. <laughs> and then you can also, you guys like niche entertainment. I know you Hell do. yeah. <laughs> you can also enjoy... My heavy metal talk show that nice. I write called Two Minutes to Late Night. We did a full eight 
episode season. You can find that on YouTube. And if you like hearing men fight about albums, and I know you do, uh, you can listen to the accompanying podcast, Pod Minutes to Cast Night. Hell yeah. That sounds great. Um, I will just say, uh, check us out. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you want to follow us further, or support us further, rather, check us out on patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. For five bucks a month, you get a bonus episode every single week of your life. And uh, uh, you oh, can. Can I just make a shout out? Uh, I recently had some shitty news in my life, and uh, the Patreon is more important than it has ever been. Uh, it's honestly, uh, there's been a huge spike in support coming yeah, from the Yeah, I want to thank everybody for, for knowing uh, uh, all that and uh, coming out and supporting. Uh, a, a, lot, a nice increase thus far in the Patreon. But yeah, if you were considering it, now's the time. Now is the time because whoopsie doodle turns out healthcare costs money. <laughs> um, you can uh, follow me further on twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Uh, I am on there streaming all throughout the week. Jake? You can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young and uh, check out Cartoon Hell on Dropout TV while you can. <laughs> And always remember, never stop whizzing. And always be bruising. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Katie. Thank you! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.